श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम की जाय गौर प्रेमानंदे इवनिंग एवरीवन we've been discussing Srimad Bhagavatam and the section of the Bhagavatam in which the trance, the samadhi of Vyasadeva is discussed and it is out of this experience in trance that the text itself has arisen, the Samadhi Basha of Vyasadeva, the language of uh, his inner experience. In other words, through the language, um, in this case Sanskrit, he is trying to convey that which transcends uh, speech, words, mind, and so forth. Um, you might think that's futile, but uh, the experience is his. The ability to communicate it is limited. Um, that it's beyond description, it's beyond words, beyond mind, but it doesn't mean that nothing comes through. The medium of the language does not do justice to the uh, experience of his self, his heart, and so forth, and this is what he's conveying. So an imperfect medium for conveying the perfection of his experience, it doesn't uh, go in vain. I mentioned this morning that some philosophers like to think along these lines, that because the nature of transcendence is beyond thought and mind, that there's nothing we can say about it. If we are to speak at all on the subject, we'll have to speak about that which it is not. It's not like this, it's not like that, which then is a discussion of all things within our experience. Hmm? But the, the Vaishnav thinking, and this is certainly a Vaishnav text, a devotional text, a text of devotional Vedanta, is that while it is true that words cannot do justice to that experience of the Parama Purusha and his attendant Shaktis and so forth, all that have well, which have been mentioned here as part of the experience of Vyas, while words cannot do justice to that, it is not the conclusion, therefore, that one can only speak about that which it is not, but rather that one cannot speak enough about it. Hmm? So, the Bhagavatam is speaking directly about it, if you will, uh, and feels that it is at a loss even after 18,000 slokas and 12 books that the Bhagavatam is constituted and the implication of this of course is and we find it in the text itself that it's an ongoing uh, event, an ongoing affair. In other words in the text itself we find many beginnings and endings to the Bhagavatam. Here in the context of the section we're uh, in the section we're reading we find that Shonaka uh, or excuse me Sutta is speaking to the sages led by Shonaka and He's just related the story of how Narada 
uh, instructed Vyas and inspired, instructed him to enter into samadhi, which would give rise to the Bhagavatam, hmm? and um, satisfy his heart, given that it would be a dissertation on uh, bhakti without any, um, with a, a no, in no uncertain terms, such that the issue um, and the emphasis, the, the emphasis on uh, the remedial measure to our material predicament would not be misconstrued to be something mixed with bhakti or less than bhakti, without bhakti, gyan, yoga, karma, and so on and so forth. So, uh, he's explaining the trance of Vyas, and he's explaining the book. Here's, we're reading the book, and he's explaining the, the genesis of the book. So, it has its beginnings. At the end of this canto, we'll find it has a new beginning again when Sukadev begins to speak to the Raj Pariksha. This whole canto, the first canto, is an introduction to that, if you will. So it is conversations within conversations, uh, questions that uh, to which answers are provided, and in the context of the answers, there are other questions raised, and and so on and so forth. So it's a it's a the implication of the very text itself in the form that we have today is that it is an ongoing affair. It is the story of the of the uh, personality of Godhead. And it is the story, if you will, viewed from the vantage point of, um, really, of Radha's love. And therefore, the story of Swayam Bhagavan Krishna, who's that Krishna that we find standing next to Radha. She is the emblem of, the vessel of, the, the personification of the highest love that he is the uh, corresponding object of love requires an object, hmm? the perfect love, requires a perfect object of love. Hmm? So, a kind of a, how you want to say, diad uh, of, of the absolute. It's not really monotheistic, I suppose, but there's two here. Radha Krishna Pranai, Vikuti Ladini Shakti Rasmad. If you want to get back to one, then it goes from one, Krishna to two, Radha and Krishna. And as I said before, look more closely. It again becomes one in the dynamic union that is Sri Chaitanya. <clears throat> so, cannot say enough about it. Ongoing, so the commentaries take on themselves a canonical um, status. Uh, if you will, we would go so far as to say that the that the um, and we discussed this the other day that the the, the um, description of Sri Chaitanya, the narrative of the life of Sri Chaitanya, in, in which the uh, philosophy and theology underlying his. Uh, reality is also presented in uh, in, in Chaitanya Bhagavat is the extension of the Srimad Bhagavatam. It is another day, if you will, in the life of the uh, Absolute. If you look inside of the Krishna Leela and the, at the acme of that Leela, in the uh, in the Rasa Leela we find the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So taking that moment, that eternal moment in the life of the Absolute where Krishna 
is stunned by the uh, measure of Radha's love that he experiences and wants to taste that himself. Now a whole chapter, rather many chapters, and a whole um, inner life of the personality of God it is uh, becomes the subject worthy of not just one book, the, 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 the uh, Chaitanya Bhagwat, for example, but the Chaitanya Mangal, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Chandrayanataka, and so on and so forth. So in this way, the whole of the Gaudiya culture is really um, centered around the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? All of the books are really explanations of that, further uh, comments on it. This is the central text of the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So, how could it be otherwise? Therefore, not enough can be said. We cannot say enough about that. Words cannot do justice. Does not mean that we will not say anything and speak only about that which it is not, hmm? which is rather dry uh, in, in comparison <laughs> then to what we find in Vaishnavism. So, much to be said, and <clears throat> here the kind of the initial effort of Vyas is uh, is being described, arising as it does out of the uh, his meditative trance. Samadhi manusmaratadvicheshtitam. Nara told him, "Enter into enter into samadhi. You are qualified, and uh, there you'll find the answers." Of course. This was after Nyarad had instructed him, both in an abstract philosophical kind of dissertation, discourse, and then a reiteration of every philosophical point that he raised in the context of the narrative of his own life, Nyarad's own life, in terms of his life in its beginnings of bhakti, which is the real beginning of life, and its culmination of Prem. Fascinating. This is just passed in the previous chapters. Fascinating story. You can imagine how it caught Vyasa's attention. So this is another example of how the Bhagavatam, the text itself, works. Nard appeared, uh, addressed the, the concerns of Vyas uh, with an abstract, as I say, philosophical discourse, emphasizing the uh, importance of bhakti, and then to make sure his student understood, he again explained the whole thing in the context of the narrative, and a compelling one. If your guru starts to tell you his own life story, then it will be very interesting. Hmm? So Narada has told that, and now Sutta Goswami is um, explaining then what, what happened, what he experienced in his uh, in his trance, having followed the instructions of of Narada. So we've kind of gone through it um, largely and there's a, a few more afterthoughts here in the section. I didn't want to take too long speaking on the text because several devotees have been here for a month or so, you know, as some of you know, crisscrossing across the state and so forth and talking at, at uh, being hosted at different houses and, and hosting others at our new ashram and on the ashram and in, in, the, in the vicinity of Sargrahi, our, our community uh, project in western North Carolina, and um, there were so many devotees this morning after the discussion, 
asked if I would just open the class to questions. So I'll try to do that and speak briefly, um, very briefly on this kind of concluding verse. Uh, say there are a few afterthoughts that constitute the section on the trance of Vyas, but um, we'll uh, forego them for the for the evening. Yasya bhai shuyamananam kushne paramapurushe bhakti utpadite pungsang shokamoha bhayapaha. So he has, Vyas has explained, I saw the paramapurusha in my trance. Bhakti yogena manasi samyak pranahite male apashat purusham purnam mayam chatara pashrayam purusham purnam. So I saw the, the 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 purnam purusham, the full sense of the person. We like to think that life is a person, it's just not us, which is a little different than how we think, whether we think about it that much or not, we tend to look at the world as if it is um, for our own purposes. As if, in other words, we were the center. In many respects, we are the center or the subject. And matter is the object that derives meaning from our paying attention to it. As I've often said, matter wouldn't matter if it weren't for us. Hmm. The other night we described what's the matter? <laughs> what's the matter? <laughs> A detailed uh, exploration into the into the nature of the objective world and the Maya Shakti. And even the question, what's the matter, obviously puts some emphasis on, on the subject. The subjective side is where the question, the inquiry, uh, comes from. And the more, more we look into it, the more we, into the objective side, the more we end up on the subjective side. We find, as I said the other night, the deeper we investigate and explore, and uh, with the help of instruments and so forth, the nature of matter, the more we... Uh, are confronted with ourself and the fact that we can only investigate the nature of our investigation into matter, as such as the influence, if you will, of the subjective aspect or the observer consciousness, ourselves. Hmm. So, so better to understand matter in, ter- in, in, in terms of how uh, it is affecting our uh, ability to understand the nature of our selves and the subjective side, if you will, of of the uh, the world, rather than to try to understand it in all types of details and um, get to the bottom of it, if you will. You cannot get to the pristine state of nature. When they looked inside the smallest particle, they found themselves there, which they were trying to, of course, get away from. In a, in a sense, thinking that the whole system was a, a closed system and had no room for any outside intervention. This is uh, then to dis- dismiss consciousness altogether, but in, in, a, in an effort to do that, in a, in a sense, 
they found it was looming large. So, so, so we heard that he was in bhakti yoga, prem, prem bhakti, and he saw the Parama Purusha. And so, here we find that that Parama Purusha is named. So, the first verse said he saw the Parama Purusha. Now you might wonder, so well, who is the who is the supreme person? Who is it? Who is the person that the world is? You try to think like this. In other words, we we do consciously or unconsciously kind of think the world's a person, and you know it's me, and everything is mine. It's my house. Everything in it is related to me. It's it, it is me. What is mine is I. My I is defined by my sense of my, largely. So we kind of move in the world as if we were the center. We are the subject, and matter is the object. We lend mean ourselves to matter, and thereby it derives meaning, and so forth. But at the same time, as we've heard here, when he saw the jiva, he saw the parma purusha. Hmm? Here in this verse, the Parma Purusha is directly identified, but before we got to that, he also saw uh, the Maya Shakti, and he saw the Jiva Shakti, and he saw the Jiva Shakti influenced by the Maya Shakti. So, although the Jiva Shakti is superior to matter, it can be bewildered by matter, nonetheless. So it's the subject, in a sense, and the objective world is the, is the object, but there's, a, if you will, a super-subject. This is the Parma Purusha. In relation to whom we are like an, like an object. So this is a very different way of thinking. You have to get your head around this. To think of yourself as an object rather than the, the subject, the... the uh, um, just like the tool has meaning when you know if we pick it up and and use it and so forth, so so we have meaning in relation to the supreme subject. As we have a tendency to look at matter as something to be used for ourselves, something that derives meaning from our lending ourselves to it and paying attention to it, it matters, matter matters if I matter about it. Hmm? So this is our position, actually, in relation to the supreme uh, subjective. This uh, would sound very oppressive, maybe it does. Um, Kind of an idea. Uh, compared to Western individualism and uh, and so on, uh, it may sound that way. But here, the the Parama Purusha is def- is is identified. Hmm? Who is the supreme subject? And this is, of course, what the book is ultimately about. That person, hmm? life is a per- the world is a person. It's just not us. We, uh, it's. Uh, uh, and uh, if we lend ourselves, this is the point of this verse tonight, to hearing about that person, the idea of being 
an object, albeit a thinking one, um, in relation to that person, a slave, if you will, of divinity, becomes very attractive. The ordinary idea, and I mentioned the other day, is that we would rather reign in hell than to serve in heaven. But if you hear about this heaven, if you will, the highest heaven, we hear about the, the Paramparusha, it's then oh, it's not so difficult to start to move in the direction of this radical kind of ch- orient, change in orientation. You see myself as more or less like, uh, like an object rather than a subject to be used. Hmm? That uh, I der- my meaning is derived from mattering to him. And as that is extended down, his self, that is, in the form of the Vaishnav, who is the bearer of bhakti, hmm, and a manifestation of the Kripa Shakti that is at the heart of bhakti. Kripa Shakti means mercy. Hmm. Then to do the bidding of the Vaishnava, to have a Vaishnava, a sadhu, in one's life who cares about one. I think we kind of ended on this point. Hmm? Someone of spiritual consequence knows about me. I've been like located amongst billions of jivas in, in, millions of wor- in billions of worlds. Hmm? Someone of spiritual consequence and spiritual standing knows who I am. Hmm? I mean, this is a huge thing. Huge. Uh, my godbrother Vishnu John Maharaj he, uh, he used to say that the distance we have traveled thus far before meeting our, our guru is far greater than the distance we have to go from this point on. Hmm? This is to be in the tight grip, tight and affectionate grip of a Vaishnav. This is very comforting if you understand hmm? the uh, idea. And you meet a real Vaishnav. I was once... One of the times I was visiting with Pujapad Sridhar Marsh in Navadweep, I, uh, I wanted to purchase a murdanga for our moth in the West. And Madhu Mangal Das was a, a disciple of Pujapad Sridhar Marsh who was blind, and he was a very uh, beautiful kirtanir. He used to sleep in the temple every morning, and he would uh, uh, lead all of the kirtans. And so he's blind, he's living in Navadweep. This is a very sacred place and a safe place in, in many respects. I mean, Vaishnavas used to only dwell in the holy doms, the sacred places where would be a favorable environment for their bhakti. And so we're right on the bank of the, the, the sacred mother Ganga, the Ganges, and in Navadweep at a temple, in the Murdunga, it is uh, maker and seller is is just a short distance away, so I asked Madhumangal. I thought, well, if I'll, I'll go get a Murdunga, I'll ask Madhumangal to go with me because he knows, you know, what, what is a good Murdunga and not, and he's an expert in that. Murdunga is the clay drum, also known as the coal that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, employed, if you will, in his uh, in his sankirtan readily. It's it's thought to be the incarnation of Krishna's flute. 
in the Gaur Leela. The Gaur Leela, I should mention this point, and we have in some of our other discussions here this month, the Gaur Leela is, and I uh, have referred to it just briefly here already, is, a, is, a, is another moment in the life of Bhagavan Sri Krishna, a very internal moment, the most introspective moments of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Uh, we, we find him uh, pursuing the love of Radha and thus turning into what we call Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And this Leela is very uh, important to understand. By understanding it, we can come to the conclusion of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It's one of the ways we can reach this conclusion that Krishna is the fountainhead of all persons, all avatars, whether it be Swamsa, expansions, or Vibhinamsa, ourselves, or his different avatars. He's the, he is the primal person, and everyone is a facet, if you will, or an aspect of that. Um, the idea is that, that Krishna, one of his qualities is prema madhurya, that means he's surrounded by, by a very sweet kind of love. He corresponds with that kind of love. The love of Radha is what the object, who is Krishna, corresponds with. You cannot separate the two. Hmm? Love of Krishna and Krishna are one, one and different at the same time. Hmm? So according to the love of the devotee in his or her heart, Bhagavan appears and reciprocates accordingly. Radha's love is the fullest measure of love, so the person standing, the object of her love, this is the full face of the Absolute. So he is surrounded, Krishna, by prema madhurya. No other avatar of Krishna is surrounded by prema madhurya. No other, it is specifically um, uh, uh, brought out, taught by Rupa Goswami, that, for example, Narayan, who's thought by many to be the Parama Purusha, the full face of the Absolute, does not have the quality of Prema Madhurya, Rupa Madhurya, Venu Madhurya, Lila Madhurya. Madhu, Madhu, Madhu. Sweet, 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 sweet flute, sweet form, sweet Lila. Hmm? Um, and sweet love. These are qualities that, that, that Krishna alone um, possesses. Therefore, if we find that Krishna is pursue, is, we find him pursuing the experience of that prema madhurya, the manifestation of the Godhead that results from that must be Krishna himself. It cannot be an avatar of Krishna. It must be Krishna himself. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in other words, must be Krishna himself. It's a rather odd idea, though, when you look at it, because as I said in some of our early discussions, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, right? He has a flute, he wears a peacock feather, Lakshmi Sahasra Satasam Brahma He's surrounded by not one Lakshmi, like Narayan, <laughs> but Lakshmi Sahasra Satasam Brahma. Not only by many, many thousands of Lakshmis, but Sevyamanu. Lakshmi Sahasra Satasamarama Sevyamano. Thousands and thousands of Lakshmis endowed with a very special kind of saving disposition. It means Prima Madhurya. Lakshmi Sahasra Satasamarama Sevyamano. This is Krishna. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what is his position? He has no flute. Huh? He's carrying a staff. 
It's called a dunda. Dunda means punishment. He's carrying the staff to the implication of the sannyasi. The implication is that he's punishing his mind, words, and body by way of... It's not really a punishment. It's really a kind of a tough love, if you will. Not allowing his body, mind, uh, words to be employed in engaged in anything other than the, the service of Krishna. Something like that. And he, so as a renunciate, he was a young boy, only a young lad of 24, and his renunciation, the standard of his detachment, was frightening to the old uh, 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 renunciates like Brahmananda Bharati, Keshava Puri, uh, Keshava Bharati. These were the nine uh, figurative roots of the t- tree of bhakti. Hmm? It was rooted, if its relationship to this world is one that it's rooted in renunciation. It's rooted in renunci- its relationship to this world is it's rooted in renunciation. Our standing standing here is one of you know being in it, but uh, but uh, but not of it. Hmm? Renunciation is to move away from the world, so step back from it, to have an objective view and. So the, the renunciation, however, the young boy, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was frightening to these old sannyasis, so deeply rooted in their, their practice and so forth. Hmm? So this is quite a contrast. In the, in the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, they have the task of saying, explaining that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna. You see on his face, it's very like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Krishna is surrounded by Lakshmi's. <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi. He has no uh, no consorts uh, in his sannyas leela, and uh, and to the extreme, for that matter. Uh, and uh, he's living a very austere life, and and so on and so forth. Hmm? So it's very artful if you study how they have made the the arguments. And it's very astounding to think hmm, this is the, the, the truth of the matter. As I say, if Krishna wants to taste. Prema Madhurya, which only Krishna has, is surrounded by, no other avatar is, then that manifestation of himself for the purpose of tasting must be himself, not an avatar of himself. Therefore the Gore Leela, which I said is the, is the extension of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Chaitanya Bhagavat is another chapter, another canto. In the in the very text that we're studying, the Gaur Leela is not a separate thing from Krishna Leela. It's like like a reversible jacket, something like that, where you know you, you have the border color and the body color. Then you reverse it out, and the body color becomes the border, and the border color becomes the body. So it's a it's a if you look at it carefully, there are these differences, like I described, of the sannyasi, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the enjoyer, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna. But then you look carefully, there still is some semblance, there's some, there's some correspondence, and then the Goswamis and their followers have, have woven that together and, and, and sought, and very successfully, I think, they have demonstrated that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. This is a startling uh, conclusion. Hmm? Startling conclusion. He is Krishna and showing the way to Krishna. He is, he is embodying the love of Radha and 
trying to, uh, to, to pursue it, leading our, uh, uh, leading example, if you will, of our spiritual uh, practice. So, a bit of a tangent there, but the, the Parma Purusha, very attractive person. We hear about these things, it won't be so hard. The idea is to change our orientation from reigning in hell to uh, serving in, in heaven. What kind of heaven is that? Krishna Leela, Gaur Leela. Hmm? One of my disciples said to me once, I think at Gaur Leela maybe it seems a little, kind of, it's kind of boring it, you know. <laughs> and Krishna Leela is so exciting. You know, there are the rendezvous and there's these, you know, demons and things and all this, you know, super fantastic kind of, uh, and... Uh, yeah, he said, yeah, you don't know anything about Rasa to make such a, such a statement. Um, but to give some idea, everything you hear about bhakti, that if you do this once, it happens, all those things happen in Gorlila. They are all sadhakas. It's sadhaka siddhubhumi. The bhumi, the land, the place, is a place where, a realm where siddhas, perfected devotees, uh, in, are engaged as if sadhakas, hmm? practitioners, and every time they chant, and everything everything that could possibly happen by chanting the name is happening. Or every time that any aspect of, of, of uh, any type of uh, any anga of bhakti, any limb of bhakti that they're involved in, the full efficacy of that is is manifest. It's a very exciting experience, and and in the context of that. They enter into the Krishna Leela, they come back out, and so on and so forth. So, at any rate, this is a very, very beautiful idea. It's not an old man on a cloud, this Parma Purusha, with a white beard, keeping score, or anything like that. Um, indeed, he's the Parma Purusha, but he, we find he himself is very nice, becomes, as we were describing, subordinate to bhakti. He becomes overwhelmed by bhakti. The implication is that the Swarup Ananda, the Ananda in Bhagwan, the joy, manifests externally. Radha Krishna Pranai. It means Radha is a transformation of Krishna's love. So Krishna manifests as Radha, and then he becomes the object of love. So for, you know, love is a reciprocal affair, so there has to be two. Hmm? The two become one dynamically, but um, by the, he has in him Ananda, that is of his own nature. He manifests that as a Shakti. So we have Swarup Ananda and Swarup Shakti Ananda. And what we find is the Srup Shakti Ananda exceeds the Ananda, if you will, which is unlimited, <laughs> that is in, uh, in the Swarup of Krishna. Therefore, it overwhelms him. And when this, the ingress of this Swarup Shakti Ananda into the Jiva gives the Jiva the power to overwhelm Krishna and certainly to dispel the influence of Maya. That is a small thing. We emphasized this this morning, right? Mm -hmm. Bhakti has the power to overwhelm Krishna. 
impossible to speak of its power to overwhelm the Maya Shakti. That's a, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. And we, ourselves, inherently, as a Jiva Shakti, do not have the power to even overcome Maya or to speak of overwhelm Krishna. So if we want to be participate in such, a, such an affair where the, the Parma Purusha becomes overwhelmed, if you will, becomes the sun, as, if it, will, as, as it would be, the lover, the friend. This is what it means. If the Parma Purusha becomes your friend and you can say, you do it, not me. This is friendship. Sometimes they serve Krishna, sometimes Krishna serves them. This is Sakyarasa. Some equality. Hmm? We have Jashoda chastising Krishna. Radha's not letting him in hmm? into the into the the bower. Hmm? This means that the Parma Purushas is overwhelmed. Bhakti has this power. Hmm? We don't have that power, but with the ingress of Bhakti into ourselves through the Guru Parampara, then that becomes possible. Hmm? So. Again, we want to change our orientation from being the, the Purusha, if you will. We are a Purusha from one perspective and we are a Prakriti from another. Purusha means kind of the, the, the enjoyer, Prakriti is the enjoyed, something like that. So we're superior to matter, but we're also, in relation to Bhagavan, we're also called a Prakriti. He's called the Purusha, we're called the Paraprakriti. There's a Paraprakriti and Paraprakriti. So matter would be a Paraprakriti. We are the Paraprakriti. He is. We are a Purusha, in one sense. But he's the Parama Purusha. So then we hear about him accurately. Then, uh, then it becomes such, such. And this comes in the, later here in the afterthought here of these verses that we won't get to. Such is the nature of Bhagavan. Itam Bhutaguno Hari Sukadeva. Yeah, about Sukadeva, it said, "Itam Hari." Such is the nature of the character, the qualities of of of, of Krishna, that um, that even liberation becomes a small thing in comparison. Hmm? Uh, which might be seem very valuable. Hmm? For those in bondage, something like that. So, and as I'm as I'm describing, the nature of that Parma Purusha is such that he's so attractive. And what makes him so attractive is that he is so weak. He's so strong that he's so weak. This is what makes him. This is what Madhurya. Love is a weakness, and but a so it's a strong one. It's a very strong weakness that nothing can break it. Hmm? Something like that. Someone has got at you, so to speak. I know you're weak, you know, but it's a strong bond so to speak, that, that, that nothing can get in the way of, and he won't let go of that. Hmm? Uh, something tries to get in the way, it only augments it, and so forth. So, this, this kind of idea of, of the supreme, this is the nature of the supreme subject. He's the, he's the Purusha, but he's. But he's also being conquered being by bhakti. He's being overwhelmed by bhakti himself. Hmm? So hearing about this, he said, therefore he says here, Krishna, what does he say? Mm -hmm. 
Krishna Parama Purushe Krishna Parama Purushe So in the first verse of this discussion about the Samadhi, the trance of Vyas, it was said, Bhakti Yogena Manasi Samyak Pranahite Male Apashat Purusham Puranam. He went into the Bhakti Yogam. Bhakti Yogena Manasi, his mind, Manasi. Bhakti Yogena Manasi Samyak Pranahite. Samyak Pranahite. Samyak means like complete, comprehensively. Samyak Pranahite. His mind was completely Pranahite, arrested, still. Completely still. That means it's a very nice uh, words are used here to make the point the power of bhakti yoga to arrest the mind, if you will, which is so wild, hmm? so unruly, to to chain it up. Hmm? But but it's done in a very charming way because that sounds a little oppressive. You know, chain up the mind might be a good idea, but but. Uh, <laughs> The example is given in the Bhagavad himself. You see, the very things that are talked about here, they're played out in the Leela. Look, we go to the Leela of Radha and Krishna, what do we find? Hmm? Well, it appears at a certain point, after the Ras Leela, that Krishna leaves Vrindavan. There's an appearance of that, right? And there's a whole Dwarka Leela and Matura Leela to support the idea that he's, that he's gone. But he's, the idea is he's so much present in his absence in those whose hearts are growing fonder, hmm? by their love in separation from him, that we're caused to think maybe he's more present in his absence. Uh, it is said that in the union with Krishna, there's one Krishna. In the absence, there are millions of Krishnas. Hmm? One sees him everywhere. Everything is reminding one of Krishna. Hmm? So what we find in this Gopilila, for example, is what? He's gone, apparently, but he's so much there. You know, he's playing out this whole Leela in Mathura. He just killed Kangsa. What a huge event. Hmm? And then he goes on to Dwaraka, where he's got this city by the seaside that the devas have all sent gifts to, uh, to the city. It's, a, it's, a, it's a heavenly in, 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 in the least in its construction. And he's a prince there. It's extraordinary. The descriptions of extraordinary opulence this uh, city of Dwarka, he's got 16,108 queens. The <laughs> you know, it's a, something really happening over there. Meanwhile, you know, he left the village of Vrindavan, which was only a, a, a bunch of cow people anyway. Right? You know, by comparison, it's not like some place that's on the map. So to speak, Dwarka is like on the map. This is extraordinary. And Vrindavan just some rural place, and they're they're out in the jungles. They're keeping the cows, and you know, the more you associate with whom you like, whoever you associate with, you become like. So they're they're kind of like cows themselves. See, the, the people, uh, very simple, and so forth. So uh, you know, you have the story when Krishna comes to Kurukshetra on elephants and so forth, and the inhabitants of Vrindavan come there and in the gate, and there's the gatekeepers and all, you know, with this entourage from Dwarka, and these people want to go and see Krishna, and they're saying, you know, who, who are you? This is Krishna, you know, Vasudev. Sometimes he's got four arms, even. Hmm? Uh, but then what we, <laughs> the teaching, of course, is if we study this carefully, 
we find he's actually more present in Vrindavan in his absence. His presence in Dwarka, hmm? apparent presence in Dwarka, is only a big emphasis of the measure to which he's present in Vrindavan and the love of the inhabitants there. Therefore, Rukmini says, at night, when he's sleeping, sometimes he calls out the names of Radha, Yashoda, Sridham, Subal, Lalita, Vishaka. And Satyabhama says, he does it in the daytime too. <laughs> in other words, it's, it's as if he's not really there even for them. A semblance of himself is there. Krishna is perfect in, in Dwarka. Don't think otherwise. But he's more perfect in Mathura. And he's most perfect in Vrindavan. Hmm? Corresponding as he does with different um, measures of transcendental love. All of which, one point here is, are perfect. Still there's perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. <laughs> hmm? So there we find in his apparent absence the gopis are at one point trying to get him off of their minds. You see how this corresponds here. Samyat panahite malay. Vyas in Prembhakti entered the trance and his mind was samyat pranahite amalay. It was completely fixed and there was no no amalay, no no um no blemish in his consciousness, something like that. No outside influence. Completely fixed. And then in the Leela we find an example of that. They tried to get Krishna off their mind. They said, why are we loving this guy? You know, he's gone and he, he left us in this guy. We, let's make a pact. They all hold hands. Let's make a pact and forget about Krishna. <laughs> let's get him off of our mind. Something like this. Huh? And, of course, the yogis are trying to get Krishna on their mind. Hmm? Or they're thinking, well, yeah, they're trying to get Krishna on their mind. So, such is the nature of bhakti yoga. So, who, who in their right mind would employ any other means for uh, the task at hand to overcome the influence of maya and so forth? So, he... Anyway, Vyas in the trance, his mind was still samyak pranitemale apashat purusham. Apashat purusham. He saw the Purna Purusha. The Purna Purusha showed himself, it means. This is the idea of Darsha. He showed himself to Vyas. And if we have any question then now about who that Purna Purusha is, here in the concluding verse, Aside from the afterthought verses I've mentioned, he's identified. So it just is clear for us. He says what? Yasyam vai shriyamanam krishne parama purusha. That parama purusha, that is Krishna. Krishna's too, Bhagavan swayam. So he says here that yasyam vai shriyamanam, by hearing, shriyamanam. This narrative, hmm, this ongoing, this is how to spend your time, in other words, ongoing, without 
that not, as I said earlier, we cannot say enough about it type of idea. The more we speak about it, the more insights come, and we even say things that we've never said before, and we find them very interesting. They will we pay the tribute to the audience without whom such ideas might not have arisen and so forth. The churning of this, this is the business of the devotees. They cannot say enough about Bhagwan, about that, if they have some experience of that particularly, then they are pressed to speak about it. They require an audience, not for their service, not to you know, bring them extra chapatis in their old age or something. <laughs> You know, it's not like that. They have a necessity, no doubt. Hmm? The necessity is different, though. Necessity is, I've got to share this with somebody. <laughs> I've, got to, you know, I've got to tell somebody about this. Hmm? I've I, I I got to check, check in with them. I, this is, I'm thinking like this, what do you think? Shudamarsh was writing his commentary in Bhagavad Gita. I should get back to that story I was telling earlier about being in his moth. I will. Hmm? He was writing his commentary on Bhagavad Gita. Where was he writing it? It's Sita Kantabanaji Lane, Prabhupada's house, where he was living. And Prabhupada was writing his Gita commentary. This is the 10th chapter, the four essential slokas of the, of the Gita. And Shidamars wrote a commentary on it. He asked Prabhupada, What do you think? I, I, this is what came to me. Those who are endowed with priti, tesham satatayuktanam, completely, eternally, satatam, always united with me, priti puvakam, priti means prem, with love. Tesham satatayuktanam, bhajatam priti puvakam, dadami buddhiyogam. I give them wisdom by which they can come to me. He said, I think it's a contradiction. How can those who have preeti need knowledge to come to him? Hmm? How will we understand it? So it says to me that, oh, those who really have preeti, like the Brajabadu, like the, the, the damsels of Braj, hmm? what's their position? They want, they, they are always thinking of Krishna in love, but they cannot come to him. When Radharani sees Krishna walking with his friend Subal arm in arm, she thinks, oh, if only I could do that. If I could walk in the public like that. What is Subal's position? So extraordinary. It doesn't mean she wants to become a sakha. She doesn't want to change her rasa or anything like that. <laughs> no. But the point is she can't meet him in a day like that. So she needs special insight. Hmm? Therefore, leave a note, stick it on the tamal tree. <laughs> Meet me over here. You know, give this to Brinda. She put it over there. Hmm? And there's this, even, and Krishna's friends are giving sign language. Public. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> Those Priyanarmasakas, the speaking with layers of meaning and so forth, saying one thing, meaning something else, and and so it's arranged. Hmm? Right. Those in Sakiras, they may know. Those in Maduras, they know. Those in Matsaliras, they cannot know. Hmm? That will be a problem if they know that there will be a rendezvous. 
they would love to see Krishna rendezvous with Radha, but it's not right in the context of the Leela. So they cannot know about that. Some opposition between Vatsali Rasa and Madhuri Rasa, they're not compatible, but they're not, but that it's part it's part of the whole affair, obviously. It couldn't happen without that at the same time. So the incompatibility of, for example, Vatsalya Rasa with Madhura Rasa is part of what makes the whole thing happen. So anyway, so he thought, they need special instruction. Those devotees, steeped in love and preeti, how to meet with him in the dead of night, this is, I'm finding Parakya Bhava in the Bhagavad Gita. I was speaking with my godbrother Ramaswar, who I hadn't met for many years, 30 years we met, and uh, we had a very nice talk right here in North Carolina at the archives there, of your house, right across the street from the archives where he was visiting. And he asked me about my Bhagavad Gita edition and so forth. And I said, well, I've taken this particular angle and there and so forth. And he said, in the Bhagavad Gita? These things? Uh, you know. I mean, Bhagavad Gita is like the Upanishads, and you're finding Gaudiya, you know, ideas, Krishna, the, the Vrindavan Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, and so I said, ah, yeah, I was supporting the conclusions of some of the previous acharyas, like Vishwanachakri Thak or Baladevadibhusan, Pujapatridamar showed in some some hint way. So I tried to bring that out as a service to the to the, to the uh, community and so forth. Hmm? Um, so he said, he said to Prabhupada, what, what do you think? And Prabhupada said, must be, it must be. That's where they're churning the whole thing. And this is the, the and then, and, uh, what does it say? Hmm? This is this is bhakti, and it's in, and there's no restriction. Therefore, grihetako anetako, sadahari bole dako. Try to occupy yourself with this under the direction of Babashna, To be in a firm grip of Babashna means if you want to change your orientation, as I'm speaking about, from being the subject of all I survey, hmm? things are used for me, to the idea that I will use things only as I'm called to in the service of another, hmm? in relation to whom I'm like a thinking thing. Hmm? This is a very radical change in our orientation. But it's, it will be easy if we understand the nature of that person and that person's nature will be most readily accessible and understandable to us in the connection with the sadhus that represent him who are his anugraha shakti, his kripa shakti. Hmm? So to be in the firm grip of someone of spiritual standing, hmm? to, to, to be thought about, that to that my, my, uh, uh, yeah, to be in the, in, in the thoughts of someone of real spiritual consequence, this is a huge distance to have come in the material world. When I was there in Navadweep, in Madhu Mongol, I said, can you take me to the 
you know, to the 100 yards, 200 yards down the street here to pick out a murdunga. Hmm? And I'll take you by the hand. He was blind. We'll go there and you can feel the murdunga and tell me, you know, which is the best one in the market. He said, yes, I can do. But first I have to ask Guru Maharaj's permission. I thought, you've got to ask Guru Maharaj's permission to walk, you know, 200 yards along the bank of the Ganges from the Mahat. I mean, it's like, I thought, wow, that's pretty sweet, actually. You know, he's not going to go. He, he's, it's not like, well, going to go somewhere. There might be problem. There might be a bad environment. Might be bad association or something. You know, in the dom and everything. Uh, he was in the. I felt he's in such in a tight grip of his of his guru. So I thought it was so charming. I have. To, I'm, he's a murdunga player, hmm? a kirtanier. He's blind. He's living in the dom along the bank of the Ganges, and. He doesn't want to move, go 200 feet down the, you know, 200 yards down the road, and he's blind. How is he going to get distracted, you know, he, <laughs> without Guru Maharaj's blessing, Guru Maharaj's permission? I thought that made my whole visit there at that time. I thought, that is, that's, that's sweet, I thought. That such, so the, and the Vaishnava is, is certainly the affection of Krishna personified in a way that really um, corresponds with our particular uh, necessity, if you will. You know, compassion looms large for us, right? If the Dalai Lama talks about compassion, he can fill a stadium. Yeah? Compassion. That's all he has to say. Oh, and fill this. People love it, you know. <laughs> Just don't dine with them, but <laughs> but <laughs> Compa- compassion is big. <laughs> compassion is big to us. In Goloka, it's not a big thing. In Krishna's life, compassion is not a big thing. This is the lower end of love. Hmm? I mean, you can only extend compassion to someone who's you know, in need, kind of lesser than you, so to speak, right? Hmm? So, you know, to be compassionate towards Bhagwan, it's only possible in, in Vatsalya Rasa, hmm? largely, Karunya it's called, to have compassion for Krishna. They see him as inferior, you know. In the but otherwise, worldly compassion, this is other world. Krishna's wrapped in the love of, of, of Radha and so forth. Hmm? So as I said, I don't know if I said this morning or earlier today, if we talk about it, we might think, Krishna, I don't know if I like that guy. You know, he, he's got no compassion. Hmm? We'll go you know, to the Buddha you know, or Christ or somebody. They're like closer to us. Hmm? In our plight, our predicament, in other words, something we can't even think about. Yes, I, 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 Krishna Leela is so beautiful. I, think, I, think, I, I could just use you know, some compassion over here. <laughs> How about that, you know? I want a God that loves me. You know, you want me to love God? I want a God that loves me. <laughs> and wants to, you know, make a remedy to my immediate, you know, problem. You're talking about a big problem, but, you know, my immediate problems are, are too big in my mind to see the bigger picture. And what my real problem is, is you want to theorize and philosophize about, I've got no time for that. So compassion looms very large for us. 
and here's this disconnect. Krishna's wrapped in the arms of Radha, and we're wondering, God, I, you know, I just lost my job, you know, or, or you know, whatever. <laughs> I got a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's supposed to register on Krishna's chart, right? <laughs> he's supposed to say, "Excuse me, Radha, wait a minute." You know, well, he's my devotee. He's not very advanced, but he needs a job, and. <laughs> <laughs> So we got a tall order if you wanted to, say, to, to attract Krishna's attention hmm, by our sadhana, by our, our practice. But this whole gap, if you will, that I'm kind of presenting, is bridged in the form of the Vaishnava, the sadhu. The sadhu is the Kripa Shakti of Bhagwan. I was standing next to Prabhupada. I had my place in, in L.A., New Dwarka, right next to his Vyasasan, who would stand every morning for the class. In those days... I would stand to make sure that if I, because if I was sitting, I might fall asleep. So I didn't want to do that. So I stood up and I listened to his class. And one day he said, And so, the spiritual master is the incarnation of Krishna's mercy. It was the end of the class. And just like it was really ringing in my head. I thought, wow, I'm standing next to the, 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 the Kripa avatar of Bhagavan. This is an extraordinary idea. And I got it, you know, I got it. Like, hmm, yeah, that's. So this idea, very interesting. He, his shakti, in other words, his compassion for us is manifest. It's Krishna's compassion that we, that sadhu becomes the embodiment of that. Hmm? Bhakti is the anugraha shakti, and at its, at its, at its root, it, that's why we say it's not a mechanical kind of a process. It's not a formula. Okay, it's like. Uh, it's, it's, Quarter to twelve, I've got three more rounds, am I going to make it by midnight? Sixteen. And if I don't, I'll turn into a pumpkin or something like that. It's if, hmm. We might give a number and say, you know, something like that, but there's, there's a spirit to the whole thing, right? Hmm? It's not a mechanical process. It's not like, okay, there was this that's that story, you know, where the guy was in church and um, and every, every week he... he Every other week he gave a dollar or something like that. You know, one week he gave five dollars, and the guy next to him is sitting in church. Well, how'd that go? He never gave anything or something like that. Hmm? Uh, I forget. Anyway, he gave gave, gave five dollars. He walked out. You know, and uh, he got run over by a car. So there he came, you know, up to the gates of heaven. Peter and Paul came out, and he said. They said, "Well, let's see. Are you, let's see. Let's see if you're on the list." You know, <laughs> they checked the database there, and uh, he said, "Well, you're not on the list." He said, "It must be a mistake. I just died, and just before I died, I gave five dollars at the church. I didn't do anything after that. You know, I just gave five dollars." And so he said, well, "Go talk to God. This has got to be a mistake." And he said, "Okay." So he went and talked to God, and God sent him back a message. Said. Give him his five dollars back. Tell him to go to hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I chanted my sixteen rounds. Uh, it's not a formula. You should chant your rounds. So, however many you know, you, you you have been asked to chant and so forth. But the idea is. You, you, we've discussed this earlier this morning. Bhakti 
is eternally existing and reveals herself of her own accord through the medium of the Vaishnava who is the embodiment of that bhakti and whom she's taken shelter of in this world. Hmm? We, we get bhakti by, by mercy only. Hmm? There's some effort. The effort is to get mercy. That's the effort to be made. It's an effortless kind of effort. Hmm? So we should make effort and know that our progress is dependent upon uh, Krishna's mercy. And we waiting. If we're waiting in line for mercy, and then we say, "Hey, wait a minute here. You know, I've been in line for a long time, and now that guy was behind me. Now he's up front." You know, then go to the back of the line. Maybe that would come from the box. At the, you know, the, the, the ticket person. Go to the back of the line. You, know, you cannot call for judgment hmm? when you're waiting in line for mercy. Something like that. If judgment, justice, I should say, if justice is to come to bear, then we won't even be in the line, would, would be the idea. So, and the devotee, the Bhagavad Vaishnava, that he or she is the, oh, the Kripa Shakti of Bhagavan. Hmm? And, and this is like the, the local then representation of Krishna. Here we find all the compassion of Krishna, uh, you know, that all, the, the, the full measure of compassion. Hmm? Such as, therefore, vanchakalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhubhya. Kripa sindhubhya is described. Ocean of, of mercy. Hmm? So we want to look for the compassion of Krishna. We say, look over here at the Vaishnava. The Vaishnava is more significant to us than Krishna. It means Krishna coming to us in a particular way and tailor-made, so to speak, custom fit for our uh, particular uh, circumstance, our disposition, and so forth. Therefore, Brahmanda Brahmite Kon, Bhagyavan Jeev, Guru Krishna Prasade Pai Bhakti Latnabej. Krishna arranges the Guru. Krishna sends the Guru to us. Hmm? Krishna has made the arrangement. He's coming hmm? in a particular form. Hmm? And he can come again and again. <laughs> He comes again and again. So, here the full measure of Krishna's compassion, concern for the way, living only for the, for the, for the, in a sense, for the suffering of this canvassing in the world. It's just, the gopis said it, what did they say? Tabukatam nitam tapta jivanam kabibiri ditam kalma shapaham shravanamangalam srimanatatam bubikunantiye burida janaha What are those people? Hmm, those devotees, tabukatam nitam tapta jibanam kaviviriditam kalmashapam shavanamungalam sri maratatam. They're always absorbed in all the in this harikata. This is what they do. Hmm? Yeah. Bhakti, what is that verse? Shadharati bhakti manukramishiti. From Shraddha to Rati to Prem, hmm? it goes Anukram step by step by Sadhu Sangha, Satam Prasanga, Satam Prasanga, Omavirya Sambhido, Babanti Ritkarna Rasakatayana. Omavirya Sambhido, Satam Prasangam. Satam means devotee, truthful, thoroughly honest. Hmm? 
Satam Prasanga, by the associate, in the association of devotees. Mamavira Sambido, what goes on there? What is Sadhu Sangha? Mamavira Sambido, my heroicness, he is the Nayaka Krishna, the perfect Nayaka, the perfect hero. In the aesthetic language of, of India, there are 64 different kinds of heroes, lovers, male lovers. If you study Ujjbal Nilmani, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that you can understand all of those nuanced dispositions of the 64 different types of hero, heroes are all together in Krishna. Hmm? And what is it? The 360 heroines are all in Radha, all the qualities, all the different moods and uh, uh, nuances of emotion, a loving emotion and so forth. Hmm? The perfect hero. Mamaliriya hmm? Sambido. They are always talking about my heroic activities. Heroic activities means his activities with gopis. This is the, these are his heroic activities, not the demon killing. <laughs> but anyway, Mamavirya Sambhido, Bhavanti Ritkarna Rasayana Katha. They're always talking about this. They're absorbed in this kind of... And I get an association. If you get in that association, association Bhavanti Ritkarna, Ritkarna Rasayana Katha. That Katha is like a Rasayana. It's a, a Rasayana. It's rejuvenates. It 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 doesn't just kind of like cure disease, but it gives positive energy. Something like Rasayana Katha, Tadjoshana Dashpavavagavar. It goes Hitkarna into the ear. By that it goes into the ear. Hitkarna and Rasayana Katha and Shraddharati Bhakti. Shraddha begins. At a certain point, Shraddha awakens. Faith, and we think, this is this. I got to check my watch. I got to pinch myself. Is this? I didn't believe. I believe this. <laughs> I actually. Am I crazy? I think I found the absolute truth. You know, at such and such, uh, on Joy Lane. You know, in, in uh, <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> is it true? Is it? Could it be such a big thing in such a small place? It's happening to me. Something like that. This is Shraddha. And, and I get confirmation. I look around and everybody's going, yeah, it's happening to me too. I feel the same way. Anyway, okay, we go with that. Shraddha, Rati, Bhakti, Manukram. Then from Shraddha to Rati. Rati means love. Hmm? Uh, through all the different steps, Anukram, step by step we go. And this is the way. Sadhu Sangha, this is the way. Hmm? So to be in a tight grip, if you will, of the Vaishnav. This is a very nice idea. Hmm? Give us some idea what it means, very much an idea to be in the grip of the Parama Purusha, to change our perspective instead of I'm the Parama Purusha. Hmm? The world is a person and it's just, it's not me. It's, it's Krishna and his Shaktis. And I'm one part of one of his Shaktis and I'm a kind of a marginal one. <laughs> if you will, and uh, I have the tendency to be overwhelmed by the Maya Shakti, and if I'm graced by the Sarup Shakti, such what good, through the Guru Parabra, what is my good fortune? Bhakti utpadyate pumsam sokomoha vayapaha. It says, bhakti utpadyate pumsam. This result of this is bhakti utpadyate, bhakti sprouts in the heart. By hearing Srimad Bhagavatam in association of devotees, hmm? 
The subject is the Parama Purusha, Sri Krishna. And Bhakti Utpadyate, Bhakti sprouts there. Hmm? And with the sprouting of Bhakti, Soka Moka, Soka Moha, Vayapaha. Soka means unhappiness, lamentation, illusion, hmm? fear. Soka Moka Vayapaha. All these things that constitute material life, lamenting, illusion, fear, so pervasive, anxiety, I mean, feeling uncomfortable, oh, it's all, this is secondarily to the principal characteristics of bhakti are described here. Bhakti utpadite pumsam, positive, I mean, sprouts, anukul, feeling for, for Bhagawan, hmm? some uh, favorable disposition towards the Supreme Person, a willingness to shift the focus. I'm not the center. There's another center. I'm willing to, I feel, feel enthused to serve that center. And proportionately, Sokamokabayap, all this material existence, samsara is disappearing. Samsara, Dabhanala. Nidaloka, Tanayak, Karuna Ganaganatvam. Hmm? This is here in the fire, and we had a fire at Sargahi, and if <laughs> and we were looking, it would only rain now. We thought maybe that would be our only hope. Yeah. So, so in the forest fire, hmm? then all the forest fire. You know, and particularly in California, it's very brittle, and they have long, long summers. So towards the end, then fires start to come and so forth. And so the forest, what are they, forest firefighters, then they're all theists, I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is beyond our capacity. We need some, some grace. This is bhakti. So I wasn't going to talk too long, but we did talk quite a while. And so conclusion is, anyway, to hear Srimad Bhagavatam, there we will be, uh, directly confronted with the remedial measure to the problem of material existence, and we find a prospect as well that looms very, very large. In comparison, we find a full meal in comparison to the you know, ongoing carrot of appetizers for satisfaction in material existence that provide only indigestion. So, what are the questions? Any, are there any questions? Yes. We were talking this morning about Jiva um, Goswami's famous quote, or um, I guess it's his commentary about this from the Sindhu on Ajata Ruchi Ravana Prasadana, how one will begin to incorporate those elements for which he is qualified, but he doesn't mention what those are. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a bit. And I know it's not a formulaic thing, obviously, but if there's any sort of general way one approaches that. So the question is that. If you don't have ruchi or rati, taste or, or emotion for, spiritual emotion for the leelas of Krishna in Vrindavan, but, but nonetheless that's the path you want to pursue because you've come in touch with a sadhu who has that kind of uh, interest, feeling and concern. And so this becomes your ideal. That is the rag marg. The, hmm? But without ruchi, it's, it's really difficult to, you know, tread the rag marg, so to speak, because it's driven by that, by ruchi, by rati. So, 
without that, attaching oneself to a sadhu who has that, and supporting that aspiration with vaidhi bhakti, uh, Jiva Goswami says you, you will incorporate elements of rag as you become qualified to do so. The question is what, what, what elements can we incorporate and what elements can we not and so forth. Well, there are certain elements you can incorporate. You can incorporate, for example, foregoing certain angas of bhakti that are not favorable for rag bhakti. Hmm? Amongst the limbs of bhakti that are given in bhakti rasamrita sindhu, several of them are not conducive, favorable for rag bhakti, so those would be diminished. You will accept, um, for example, uh, certain things that, there are things that are bhavanukul, hmm? Um, uh, there are that are favorable for that kind of bhakti. Uh, there are things that are bhav anukul, things that are unfavorable. Hmm? Hmm? Pratikul. Pratikul. There are things that are neutral, but are advisable nonetheless. Hmm? There's the there uh, uh, and so on. These things are explained in books like but uh, like. Uh, what is that book of Vishwana Chakrita? Ragmart Vardmachandrika. Hmm? Um, so we can study that that book and and see there are many things that you can incorporate and many things you're already incorporating. Ragvart Machandrika. Machandrika. So uh yeah. Observing the codice, this is such a thing, and in the, in the various holidays, wearing tilak, hmm. these, these things may be neutral or favorable. Hmm. Uh, so, otherwise, things that are, the thing I highlighted this morning that may be difficult to incorporate is some internal meditation on one's budding sarup because it hasn't started to bud yet. So incorporating this practice of of uh, manasiseva, hmm? this uh, Bhakti is caution about it without eligibility for it, then you, you kind of make a mess of that. So, so I, I wouldn't, you know, you, you you focus your ideal in a very general sense, at least. I want to enter the Brajlila, or if we say my Guru Maharaj has entered in this way, I want to follow in that way. So then. You, this is your ideal. Here and chant, worship those those deities. You can fix your you can fix your deity, Ishta. Hmm? Who's my deity? <coughs> These kind of things. Yes. Um, an issue that comes up a lot with devotees, with the gurus, you know, they have a special feeling for the guru, and really, you know, wanting to feel the reciprocation from their guru in a way that makes them feel special and important. And a lot of times they don't feel that they get that from the guru. And so then there's a tendency to feel bad about themselves and like I'm not a good devotee, feel envious towards other devotees that may be getting that kind of, that they consider some special recognition. So it comes up a lot. It's an issue that... Leave it open. Bring some air. A lot of, a lot, I mean, many, many, many devotees have um, discussed that kind of issue. So can you maybe speak 
that because it seems to become an obstacle in the path rather than... Um, well, I think there's a couple of factors. I think, uh, you know, talk about it from two sides, I think there may be gurus that are not very qualified and they don't, um, they don't exude a kind of affection and compassion for their disciples, that the disciples can, can feel it. Um, for example, Prabhupada was like that, and many of his disciples never even spoke to him, but they felt like that, right? So they didn't get a letter from him or a call, how you doing, you know, or anything of the sort. Some of them were even initiated, you know, through a medium while he was present and so forth, and and so on. But they didn't feel like that. So he was a very qualified guru. So his affection, that he cared about everybody, that he he could reciprocate with everybody, and in, 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 beyond his physical presence and so forth, was apparent. Hmm? So it wasn't an issue, right? For the most part, I I know. Never, I never heard that come up. So that's one side. So someone may not be so qualified that they, that they don't they don't have that kind of. They may be trying to teach and so forth, but they may not really have the capacity to. Uh, they, they don't. They're not overflowing in that way. That's one side. The other side is the disciples also may be uneducated. They may have certain expectations of what they think is reciprocation, what they think is is is, is warranted, and so forth. And, it, it, you know, that's not what uh, actually they signed on for, so to speak. That's why probably just to say not everybody needs a guru. Only people are really serious about making a comprehensive solution to the problems of life. So if I'm, like, ministering to you, if you will, and giving you a comprehensive solution and you're, you're feeling left out, you know, because, what well, I don't know, I'm not, you know, or the guru is not dealing with some of your immediate myopic, you know, problem or something like that... You're kind of like expecting something that uh, uh, is not part of the the deal, so to speak. Um, naturally, you know, for myself, I, you know, I have compassion for my disciples' material situations, whatever they might be, in detail. If I'm to hear about them or to think about them, hmm? um, just use myself as an example, um, but. There's only, only so much you could you do, but if you can help in that regard, you know, I would help them. Hmm? But those things are unlimited, and those are all symptoms of the problem, and you can't run around dealing with all the symptoms. You have to deal with the root cause of the problem, set an example of how to resolve that, and give the teachings that will, if you listen, the disciples listen, to ground them in such a way that that, that will become the kind, of, kind of ground that they stand on and the place from which they look at everything that happens in their life and have some thereby wherewithal, some power to, to deal with the situations philosophically that come up. And, you know, and I was, I've told a story before, when I was a kid, in sixth grade I fell in love with a girl. And, uh, <laughs> and so in seventh grade she went you know, somewhere else. So it was a devastating for me. And my mother came in and saw me devastated like that and she began to speak some kind of philosophy to me, you know, giving me the bigger picture. And I thought, oh, that's how you solve the problems of life. The little, pro- little problems, they're really small, and you get the bigger picture, then they're in perspective, and then they're, they're solved. And so I always took that as, oh, this is how to solve the problems that come up. Look at the bigger picture. Hmm? And so uh, the guru is supposed to give us the big picture, and we're supposed to kind of like enter into the big picture, and then 
the problems become as small as they they really are, so to speak. So this is the business of the guru. It's the way he or she tries to help us with the you know the the detailed problems, if you will, of our life. And but beyond that, he or she may be able to deal with some of them. You know, if I find you know if somebody give me a donation for the mission. Hmm, and I find some, maybe my household disciples out of money, I might give them the money. And you would think, what? You know, I worked and gave the money and he gave it to you know, her next door. You know. Well, you know, yeah, it might happen. You can, it could happen. <laughs> so you could do that sometimes. You might, you know, it depends. If you're in the proximity of a problem, you know, you might, like Prabhupada was once told by one of his disciples, they were standing on the balcony, I was told of, in a rented building in, in Calcutta, and he looked down, and he was standing with Prabhupada, and there was a beggar down there who had arm cut off, hand cut off, you know, something like that. And he said, Prabhupada, you know, sometimes I feel compassion for those people in India. He was thinking, I know it's wrong, you know, because it's just a symptom of the problem, um, you know, and it's really his karma and all that, and, uh, and, uh, but sometimes I actually feel compassion. And Prabhupada said, why only sometimes? <laughs> so, if we are involved in real compassion and the shadow of compassion is also going to be part of our life if the opportunity arises that we can without moving from the the, 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 the real uh, full face of compassion if we can also incorporate and do something that deals with the shadow of compassion you know like like I said this morning was it this morning you're supposed to water the root of the tree but sometimes you can water the leaf too there might be aphids on it, you know, and you need to get them off or something like that. So that might be, might be a place for that. So, but the primary business of the guru then is to, is to offer the solution, the comprehensive solution. And people kind of sign on. Who knows? You know, you've got a small group, let's say, and you start talking about Krishna consciousness in a way that it affects you and a couple people join on and so forth. And after a while, some other people join on and you weren't interested, but your friend got interested. And so, hey, it seems to be working for her. I'll join on. And and you don't even really care that much what's being what's being said. Just like it looks like, it looks like a good place to be. It's happening over there. You know? <laughs> it's happening over there. I, I like the chanting. You know, I like the chanting. I like the food. And yeah, I mean, you know, some basic philosophy. That, that's good too. And you know, but I got, you know I can't get into it too, too many details. And then all those people start coming on and so forth. And then you know they and they find out they have expectations. <laughs> that they don't understand what it's about. So I have to keep educating and educating and so forth. Otherwise, people find problems where, the, where there aren't problems. They find problems in the teacher when actually there are problems in themselves that they're, they, they would have been better going to you know, some other self-help workshop or something like that you know, than, than coming to a, a, a gathering like this. And that's not a bad thing necessarily either. I don't know. You know it might be good if you did that before coming here sometime. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why we try to educate on bhakti and what is the role of the guru, what is the you know function, what what he or she shall shall attend to, and so forth. We answer questions and we have a, a standard of knowledge that we refer to, called revelation, if you will, or the sacred text, and we explain them in a, in a in a meaningful, dynamic um, way according to time and circumstance. And so you ask me a question, and I give you an answer, and I cite the scripture, and it's comprehensive and you go okay I got it you know and then tomorrow you come back and you got the same question again you know and I do it again and the next day you know yeah but you know I have to say to you the problem here is that you know I've given you the logic 
I've, I've supported with the, with the scripture and so forth. The problem here is psychological. You're not getting it because, you know, because of some emotional issues. You know, you go deal with the emotional issues, come back, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, it has to be in a certain position to be able to take advantage, a certain really neediness to take advantage of the, the Guru Parampara, a neediness for something deeper, a deeper, meaningful solution. To, I mean, I used to sit in, in, in the Santa Cruz Mountains and I would read everything I could find and I thought, what am I going to do with myself? You know, I was like 22 years old, what am I going to do with myself? And everything I looked at, everything I could think of in my mind, if I could be, would be this, if I would do that, it all ended up like, well, that falls short. That's, uh, you know, that, I couldn't, nothing, uh, so it's a spiritual pursuit. This is, I thought, this has no bottom. This has no, yeah. Uh, so that kind of, you know, that kind of drive, this is really required. And people sometimes sign without that kind of necessity, without that kind of a drive, because it's a fun thing to do. It's the thing to do. It's, you know, want a religion. It looks just like a good one, uh, or whatever. You know, and that's a good thing, too. I mean, you've got to start somewhere, but it can result in the kind of problems that you're talking about, have unrealistic um, expectations. Hmm? Maybe, I mean, everything you said was wonderful, but just in terms, I'm not a bot, that's not a bot. <laughs> and I guess the, the issue that comes up a lot of times is the devotees you know, maybe are really getting a lot from, from their guru, but they want to feel like the guru is accepting their service and is appreciating them for what they're doing. It's kind of like this need to, to have validation for their service, and I think that's maybe more of the issue that comes up. It's like Send a letter. That's what I did. Yeah. You know? We, 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 we were taught once and don't bother Prabhupada. And I thought, well, he's my guru. You know, <laughs> I gave my life to him. You know, I can't write him a letter, you know. So I write him a letter, glorifying. He wrote me back. And uh, so I had some correspondence with Prabhupada. So try that. Hmm? Drop me a line, you know. I, I, I always reply. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it takes a while. <laughs> that's, uh, this, the internet's a problem. But, but um, yeah. You know, they can do that. I mean, it's not just me. I mean, you know, they, they, they should be able to, they should feel that. You know, they should feel, I don't want to, you should feel, I don't want to bother my guru, but you should also feel like it's my guru. I mean, I, I love my guru, so, you know, I, can, I can't talk to him. You know, like I was, went to see Prabhupada in 1977 when he was, had fallen ill and he was in Mayapur and he was not going to go to Vrindavan. Prabhupada told me that every year you come and spend one month with me in Mayapur and Vrindavan. Throughout the year, you go and preach, and then come and spend one month with me. We'll have the, have the festival in Mayapur, and then for two weeks, and then we we'll go to Vrindavan for two weeks. So I used to do that every year. So in 1977, when it was time for Prabhupada to go from Vrindavan to Mayapur, with her, from Mayapur to Vrindavan with the rest of the festival, it was announced that he was too ill to go. This was the beginning of Prabhupada's leela of departing, departing from the world. And so, um, then I decided, why should I go to Vrindavan? Because Prabhupada's not going to go to Vrindavan. So I went to see Prabhupada. And uh, Brahmananda, who I mentioned earlier this morning, you know, that big guy who started that dance, and Prabhupada said, that was his concoction, you know, it wasn't Baba. So he's sitting at the door, and Prabhupada's out on his veranda. Hmm? And he's sitting 
the chair at the door they had to go through to get out there and so I come in the room and I'm not announced or anything like that and I just came in the room and he says I started to walk through the door and he put his foot on the door like that where do you think you're going this is you know the GBC I was not a GBC thank, thank God but uh, <laughs> I said I said I'm going to see Prabhupada you know he says he said Prabhupada's sick and he's sick because of people like you, because he's taken all your karma. I said, so well, why, uh, you're not going to go and bother him. I, I said, well, that's exactly the point, Brahman. The Prabhupada's taken my karma. You know, so I just jumped over his leg. <laughs> so I went in, and Prabhupada was very happy to see me. He began to talk to me, and he, he said, you know, I told him my proposal, why I wasn't going. He said, no, he said, you should go. And, this, and he told me many nice things. He was very kind to me. And uh, and then when it was seen that someone had gotten in to see Prabhupada, then some others came and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, they gathered around him, and and then Ramaswar, my friend, came in. He had just arrived, and he had printed this thing, this little booklet of um, and uh, from the BBT, the Book Publishing Fund of Prabhupada, and it, it described, among other things how many books have been printed in how many different languages. Hmm? And there were so many of them and so forth. He wanted to show Prabhupada. So he said, Prabhupada, this is printing, this is how many books we've distributed in so many languages. And practically all the printed ones listed here have all been distributed, sold by now. So Prabhupada was very pleased, you know. Then he dismissed us all. Uh, And then we went away and he called me back. And I had, you know, started the whole thing, going there alone. He called me back and he said, you see this? It was like 64 million or something. But he said, this is all your credit. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So I knew you know, my efforts to... <laughs> he knows what I'm doing out there, you know. Because uh, I was a big, you know, person in the distribution of Prabhupada's books. This is all due to you. And I said, oh, Prabhupada, that's your, your kindness. You say such a thing like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I had no doubt that... that, uh, that uh, my service was acknowledged, and of course, we should get you know, absorbed and get reciprocation in that in that sense as well, which I was uh, somewhat adept at. So, but uh, anyway, I, you know, I started a correspondence with Prabhupada. I, I was living in Los Angeles, across the street from the temple, because I was I was young and married, and my wife was pregnant when we joined. So we got. A, we joined in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and then Prabhupada came to Los Angeles three months later, so we were invited down there, and Prabhupada initiated us and so forth. And so Prabhupada would come, in those early years, he would come to Los Angeles twice a year for three months at a time in the spring and in the winter. And so one day, I, thought, I, you know, I was reading the books, and the householders invite the sannyasi, so I wanted to invite Prabhupada to my house. <laughs> <laughs> For lunch, you know, Prabhupada come over for lunch. <laughs> and the authorities, they said, well, "You can't invite Prabhupada to your house, but you know, something like that." But uh, that's how my thinking was, you know, something like that. And and I would always go and spend time with Prabhupada whenever I, I you know, he would always. There would be the rules, and I would override the rules of affection for Prabhupada. He would always honor it. They would say, like, "All right, now there's a Prabhupada this morning is going to go on a walk." And the, nobody can go on the walk except the, the GBCs and the sannyasis. This is before I was a sannyasi. 
And so I said, okay, I heard that, you know, and then I would go, and then Prabhupada would see me, are you coming? And I would go. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, be a little bold. I I like that. I mean, I was like that, so, you know, a little bold like that. I, I, you know, some people, they they want to be close, want to be close, you know, then you'll be closer on a personal level. That's up up to you also. Hmm? There are those who don't want to be close, and I honor that too. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't talk about myself. But I mean, the principle of guru, I think, works works like this. So. What else? Yes. My question from this morning related to. Wait, what time is it now? Well, can we? Maybe we should talk for a while. You know, there's some prasadam, and we could. Meet again in the morning. We can have. More, we didn't really give that much time for questions, but we can do just questions and answers in the morning. Is that all right with your permission? Okay, because you know some of some of the questions can turn into long answers. I want to do justice to to them. So, thank you very much, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.